In the name of the risen Christ, amen. Good morning. When I, whenever I'm presented with the Gospel of John, I take a deep sigh. I personally find the Gospel of John very difficult. And I begin to be flooded with thoughts like, this gospel is really hard, and I don't know if I'll ever be able to understand it, let alone preach. My thinking will go rigid, and I start to feel overwhelmed. I want to understand this gospel, and I want to be nourished by this word. And goodness, sometimes it feels like a hard word to receive. I have a prayer that hangs close to me, written by a writer named Katrina Kennison. And it begins this way. When the going gets tough, may I resist my first impulse to wade in, fix, explain, resolve, and restore. May I sit down instead. When the going gets tough, May I be quiet. May I steep for a while in stillness. I keep the prayer close because I tend towards a high level of intensity. Now, this can be beneficial, bending my heart towards loyal friendship. It can also be harmful, bending me towards perfectionism. The prayer reminds me to try and hold my life loosely, to not take myself so seriously. I hope that this prayer teaches me to rest, to bend my heart towards trust and faithfulness. As I sat with this prayer this week, I realized that my approach to today's gospel was not helping me. I was working too hard, demanding that the gospel work as hard as I was. Where the story began to invite me to come close, to quiet myself, to listen. And as I began to listen, I remembered there's more to this story than what we have here today. Jesus is gathered in the upper room for a meal. Judas has already decided to betray Jesus, and Jesus knows this, and that the hour of his departure, that is his crucifixion, is near. Jesus also knows, not believes, Jesus knows that God has given all things into his hands. His life is is God's life. He is the incarnate word, divine life given to us, to all of creation. There is nothing, nothing that can separate him from God. Every bit of his life, even his death, bears the redeeming work of God into the world. Jesus then is not afraid. And he does not hide from what is about to happen. He does not protect himself 
from Judas at all. John tells us he does this. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, Jesus got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel. In the middle of a dinner where Jesus' very life is at stake, he performs an intimate act of service. Can we imagine? I wonder what the atmosphere was like in the upper room around that table. Was Jesus the only one anticipating the cross? How did they react to having the Messiah begin to wash their feet in the middle of dinner? After Jesus washes their feet, he begins to teach the disciples. He tells them, very truly I tell you, whoever receives me, receives the one who I send. Whoever receives the one I send, receives me. In other words, just as he is bound to God, they are bound to him. And just as his life is God's life, the disciples' lives reveal Christ. Just as he bears God's redeeming work into the world, so do they. He unites his life to their life, empowering them to live as he lived, to wash one another's feet. Into this moment enters the reality of Jesus' betrayal. And Jesus publicly talks about it with seemingly no shame. And this troubles the disciples. But Jesus sends Judas out to finish what he has begun. Jesus is clear. Judas's betrayal is essential. It is the betrayal that will lead to his death, and his death is his glory. The way of God's redeeming work is the way of the cross. Jesus' offering of himself, of God's own self, is the way God redeems us. Now, I suppose anyone could have betrayed Jesus. What I wonder is what does it mean that one of the disciples betrayed him? And I wonder how Judas's betrayal sits alongside Jesus's foot washing. It is only now that we come to today's short passage from the gospel. As you listened to the gospel or read the words, I wonder what mattered most to you. And as you consider the gospel, I wonder if there's any part of this that we could leave out and still have the same story. Is there any one verse that is essential to our understanding? John tells us that what matters most to Peter is Jesus' departure. Peter becomes almost obsessed with the fact that Jesus is leaving, going somewhere, wondering where is Jesus going. 
Jesus, though, becomes focused on comforting the disciples. For the next three chapters, Jesus goes on to teach and assure him, assure them. He tells them about the advocate, the spirit. He tells them about the vine and the branches, that he is the vine and they are the branches and they abide in him. He assures them that their pain will lead to joy. And then he prays for them, entrusting the disciples and their ministry to God. Now, the disciples grow more and more agitated the whole time, asking lots of questions, trying to understand. But Jesus stays centered in love. His love for them and his commandment that they love one another. This is what matters most to me. Jesus' commandment that we love each other. Now, of course, love can be trivialized, said in passing on a whim. It can feel like a platitude. The love Jesus enacts, though, is anything but trivial. Here he is, kneeling at the feet of his friends, feeding his betrayer, praying comfort and joy for his disciples who will betray him at his death. Here he is, risking his life for a community that rejects his love. When the going gets tough, Jesus loves, and he calls us to do the same. The love Jesus expresses for creation is a love that shows up at all times and in all places. This love does the miraculous, changing water into wine, healing the paralytic, feeding the 5,000. It is not afraid, and it takes risks. The love of Jesus rests in what is right now and leans towards mercy. This is the love God, our Creator, has for us. And that is a word that I can receive into my heart, my mind, and my life. When the going gets tough, I invite us to lean into the love of Christ. May we first, first speak love and kindness to ourselves. Let us rest and the assuredness of God's grace and mercy for us in our lives at all times and in all places. And may that love, the love of Christ that resides in us, empower us to love others. May our instinct be to serve, not to control 
or fix how we see fit. Let us rest in the assurance that we have all we need right here, right now. And may that peace, this peace of Christ that passes all understanding, encourage us at all times and in all places. For it is by this, the love of Christ, that we will know him and make him known.